focus text today comes from the book of 1 Kings, beginning at chapter 17. I invite you to follow along with the words on the screen as I read. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself in the wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the wadi, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the wadi. But after a while the wadi dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and there, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel, so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of meal will not be emptied, and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did as Elijah said, so that she, as well as he and her household, ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he, that he spoke by Elijah. I want you to think about people with big names, people who are famous for being the best of the best in what they do. These are the most famous people in America. So for example, if I asked you to name the best actor in America right now, who would you say? What's in your head right now? Morgan Freeman? Leonardo DiCaprio? Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> They're pretty high on the list. Uh, well, what about this? What about the best musical artist? Who comes to mind immediately? Beyonce? <laughs> you can do this uh, within other industries, like the best of the best of investors. And I think only one person comes to mind here, like Warren Buffett, right? Or the best of the best in tech, I don't know, Bill Gates, the late Steve Jobs. I mean, how do you get that good? How do you become the best of the best? Are you just born that way? <laughs> Absolutely not. You get to be the best of the best partly because of the opportunities you have available to you, but mostly to be the best of the best requires a lot of practice, of doing that thing that you do over and over and over again. So let's do one more. Maybe this one will be a little bit harder <laughs> to come up with. Name the best of the best of the Jewish prophets in the Bible. <laughs> Do you have any idea what you would say? Yeah. Well, let's look to our focus text. 
Elijah, not to be mistaken for Elisha, is one of the most important prophets in the Jewish faith tradition. In fact, he is referenced 109 times in both the Old and New Testaments. As a prophet of Israel, Elijah is known as one who speaks for God, a miracle worker, one who confronts Israel's leadership over the worship of Canaanite gods, a political organizer, and as the tradition goes, the one who is taken up to be with God in a chariot of fire. So if you've ever heard of the African-American spiritual swing low sweet chariot, yeah, that is a reference to the Elijah story. So. Elijah's a big deal, easily a contender for the best of the best category if you are a biblical prophet fanboy or fangirl. Our focus text today is the beginning of Elijah's story. So here's something you should be aware of. In the Jewish tradition, there is what's called the Midrash which is a way of interpreting the Hebrew Bible in order that the stories would be applicable to a specific time period. So the word Midrash literally means exposition or investigation. So essentially, it's a commentary about the books of the Old Testament composed by Jewish rabbis over the centuries. So I, I want you to know that because there is a very old midrash about the focus text today about the origin of Elijah. And I really like it. So normally, before a prophetic announcement is made, the prophet must first hear the word of the Lord. In our focus text, Elijah declares that there will be a three-year drought. And then in the very next verse, that's when the word of the Lord comes to him. <laughs> that, that is completely backwards, which means that Elijah's announcement is premature, which means that at the very beginning of his story, he is not the best of the best. He has a lot to learn about what it means to be a prophet. So the Lord sends him to the wilderness, and it's there without anything that he learns to trust God as he receives food from ravens of all creatures, an unclean bird in Jewish law. But trust in God is not enough to be the best of the best. There is simply more to learn. When God saw that there was suffering in the world, but Elijah was unaware of it, so the Midrash says, he told Elijah to go to Zarephath, where he meets and is sustained by a widow and her son. A widow being a code word in the Bible for an individual who is destitute. The Midrash explains that Elijah's stay in the house of the widow was meant to bring him closer to the suffering prevalent in the world and to acquaint him with the hunger and the want from which the woman and child suffered. <laughs> and in this relationship, in this encounter, the Lord provided what was needed. Trust was established. So to make this clear, in order to become the best of the best, Elijah must first come to see the suffering in the world. He must come to see a non-Jewish foreigner, a destitute woman and her son, the quintessential overlooked ones as God's loved children. Elijah must first learn to trust God. He must learn that it is in his humility that when you have nothing, God works to bring something in the most unheard of ways 
as Elijah is sustained through unclean birds in the wilderness and the meager gifts of a widow. Now it is only, only when Elijah has learned these things that he is ready to be the prophet that God has called him to be, to become the best of the best. Jesus will reference Elijah and this widow as he is similarly called to help people understand that in God's kingdom, it is the least in this world who are indeed blessed by God. I've been thinking about how the Elijah story that originated in the first century BCE still moves us today in a very different time and very different culture. So something that's been on my mind quite a bit is what it means to be not just an okay church or even a good church, but a great church, one that is fully present in our culture. And I'm wondering what that looks like. After hearing the opening story in our focus text about the best of the best of the biblical prophets, what congregation deserves the best of the best label in our world today? Or what about in our community? Who gets that title? What does that church look like? Is it the place with the biggest campus, the largest congregation, the most money, the best band, the most striking choir and great organ? Well, I, I guess it depends on what your criteria is for the best of the best. <laughs> I think Elijah's story has something to say to us today as we think about what it looks like to be a 21st century church. So this week I, I was listening to a podcast where the host was interviewing Dr. Vivek Murthy. Do you know who that is? I mean, I didn't know this, but he is the current Surgeon General of the United States. And I found what he had to say so incredibly important. According to him, what do you think is the number one public health issue that he sees right now in our country? I'm going to guess that most of you won't be able to identify this. If you said loneliness and isolation, you're right. And if you were to guess as to which age demographic is being most impacted by loneliness and isolation, well, what would you say? It's our young children and our adolescents and our young adults that are being most impacted by this issue, even though it's still prevalent among all generations. Elijah's story reminds us that to be connected to God is to be connected to your neighbor, to see the ones overlooked, to learn to actually care for the one who is not like you, and to trust that it is in relationship based on mutual care and compassion that joy, wholeness, and the essence of God is found. A, a world that is suffering from loneliness and isolation absolutely needs this. One more connection. I, I want to share with you that I spent well over 15 hours during the season of Lent just a, a few weeks ago, um, over the 40 days of Lent, talking with people from Bethlehem about where they experienced value and where their lives were impacted in this faith community, if their lives were impacted at all. And I'll be sharing those results of my conversations with the congregation later in May, but I can tell you this for now. The people who spoke of great value and impact in this place, they always, always, and I do mean always, spoke of that in terms of connection. 
or relationship or rituals of healing and wholeness where people were seen and accepted and loved and supported. <laughs> I mean, that, that is not much different from what Elijah learned from his time with the widow in Zarephath. I mean, to be the best of the best doesn't matter if you are a church or an individual practicing your faith. God invites us to first see and care for the overlooked ones, the isolated and lonely living in our midst. You can have the biggest and best of everything else, but if you don't see the overlooked ones in this world that God loves, well, you have missed everything. So. As you are finishing up uh, this online service today, as you prepare to go back into your community and into your life, I hope that you don't go back and do what you've always done. Today, I hope you go back into your communities, your places of work, your schools, your families, and see what God has called us to see. Those who are hurting, those who are lonely, and actually do something about it. To be close to the suffering of the world and in the process, find wholeness while learning to trust in God's goodness and grace. I mean, this is the good news that we encounter in our focus text today, in our gospel today. And it is the good news. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. In order to take the story of our faith that we heard today and take it a step deeper into our personal lives, here are a couple of reflection questions to help guide you. Question number one, what does a truly great church, the best of the best, look like? I want you to think about that. What does greatness look like? And number two, who can you identify right now in your life who is not thriving because of loneliness or isolation? When do you feel the most lonely or isolated in your own life?